This is Bob Rourke with Business Leaders Podcast. And today it's going to be interesting. I'm talking with Mike Connolly. We're at Impact Hub in Boulder. He's the CEO and founder of Strategic Copy. He creates and manages direct response marketing systems for fast-growing businesses so they can attract their ideal customers, put an iron fence around them, and develop an abundant herd of customers for life. Mike, thanks for taking the time today. You bet. Thanks for having me, Bob. Absolutely. If you could, let's start out and talk about um, a little bit about your business and who you serve. Sure. So Strategic Copy primarily serves small to medium-sized businesses. And what we help them do is uh, attract the type of customer that they're really most interested in finding out in the world and get found, as, as we talked about a little bit earlier. And from that point, we help them actually turn virtual strangers into uh, customers. And when I say turn them into customers, that's more than just making a sale today, although that's critical. And and, uh, we are very focused on uh, creating sales. But ultimately, the idea is we want to create a lifetime relationship with that ideal client. So that's that's what we do for our our customers is we help them uh, find their ideal clients uh, attract them and then and then turn them into you know lifelong customers for their businesses. You know, and, and for the the folks out there, you're going like, hmm, okay, how do you do that? <laughs> Simple. Yeah, nothing to it. <laughs> so these days uh, we have an incredible explosion of media. Media is just a way for people to relate to each other, right? So. It used to be, and I'm going to refer back to um, about 100 years ago, um, just as a point in time, because that's um, when, uh, for instance, one of my mentors, Claude Hopkins, who wrote a book called My Life in Advertising and and Scientific Advertising, um, wrote about how they successfully implemented marketing campaigns. And back then, it was very different than it is now. I want to talk about how they did it back then and compare it to to how it is now because that'll maybe help us understand what it takes to really um, be effective in in today's age with all of the media that we've got. We've got this explosion of media. So um, in Claude Hopkins' day, uh, how could you reach people? This was the turn of the century around the 1900s. Well, you could send a letter out to people. You could put billboards up. You know, we didn't have radio, we didn't have television, we didn't have telephones even, right? Uh, Let alone cell phones or smartphones. Social media wasn't there. uh, Email, right? I mean, you know, those are all things that you did not have to work with. So how did you actually um, succeed? So I'll just share with you a quick story here, Bob, about um, how Claude Hopkins succeeded for one of his clients um, as an example is that um, there was this little beer company called Schlitz and they had a problem in that they were about number five of all the beer manufacturers and their um, really their product didn't seem to be very different. They had their challenge was why really should people buy Schlitz versus all of these other guys? And so Claude Hopkins went to their plant and looked at everything 
about it. He spent three days with their engineers and looked at every single thing about the plant. And then he came back and, and sat with the CEO of the company. And um, he said, you know, this has been an amazing, amazing experience. Um, I was just especially impressed with the way that you guys, you have these rooms where the, the water is run through over these glass panels and through all these pipes and they clean their pipes three times a day. They drill for their wells hundreds of feet into the ground when they're really close to one of the Great Lakes. They could just take the water right out of the lakes, but they want the purest water. And all these things, Claude said to the CEO, why aren't you telling people? Why aren't you telling people what you do here? And the CEO said, well, it's what everybody else does. And Claude said, yeah, but nobody else is talking about it. And that's exactly what he did. He's, he basically just had a simple message that said the purest water. He talked about the things, the way that the company, you know, purified the water, purified their whole system, their bottles, you know, all of this stuff. And Schlitz went from number five to I think it was number one or number two. So the point being, you ask, how do you do that, <laughs> right? Well, how you do that is that, you know, you've got all these media out there, but the, the reality is the media is just a way for us to, to share stories with each other, okay? So the place you begin is you understand what it is that your company is doing that's unique and who can most benefit from that, right? Yeah, everybody's pretty much familiar with USP. USP, yeah, right. mm -hmm. so unique selling proposition, right? Mm -hmm. So what is it that differentiates you from the rest of your market? And once you're able to identify the pain point or some thing that you can do for the exact type of person that you want to work with, you tell that story about how you do that. And of course, you wanna also not get so sort of focused in your own business that you don't understand it from their point of view. The key is to really look at it from your, your customer's point of view, kind of like the way that Claude Hopkins did with, uh, with Schlitz. They, they just looked at it from the customer's point of view. The customer didn't know about all these things until they pointed it out. Yeah, that's the most, you know, who's your most important client and what is it that you're solving for them? For strategic copy, um, our most important client is a provider of information. I think we, we tend to really attract um, customers who either along with their service or as a really the virtual core of their service provide information for people. Mm -hmm. So information providers. An example is um, one of my clients helps lawn and landscape companies have more profitable businesses. Uh, it turns out that the average profit margin for a lawn and landscape company um, in this country is about, well, what would you guess it is? What would you guess an average profit margin is for a company like that doing, let's say, two or $3 million a year in revenues? 40 to 45%? Yeah. So it's... 2.3%. Yikes. So pretty unbelievable. I, I was like shocked when I heard that. And that's according to the, the, the national, there's, there's a national association. Wow. I forget the exact what it is. But um, if for companies doing about, I think it was 2 million, that's the figure. Uh, so what he does is he says, guys, 
there is a way to be more profitable in your company, and we're going to get you up to double digits. And he shows them how to do that. A lot of what I do is, is you know, working with clients directly, but um, they tend to be what I call information marketers in the sense that they're providing information uh, as a service to their clients in the way that this, this coach helps his, uh, you know, clients who are lawn and landscape companies um, develop more of a profitable business. And so that would, what about the, the professional service provider? Is that a market that you serve as well? It is indeed. Um, so an example of one of my clients is um, I have a client who is a professional photographer. Um, as we were talking about a little bit earlier, he uh, realized pretty early on that although he had a passion for photography, ever since he was a kid, he, he knew this was his thing, totally loved it. And uh, had, you know, kind of an early understanding that that wasn't necessarily going to be a way to make a living. So um, he went through, uh, when he was in college, he sought out professors who could give him the kind of, not only the training that he needed to get a sort of a job in the real world, but who would sort of help him understand the type of things that would, he, he'd be a better photographer. So he was always finding ways of getting his photography in, but at the same time, he ended up taking on a, a job in a corporation that was, he was, um, you know, had this sort of scientific data role and worked for a number of years in, in a company. Um, and photography was kind of the side business. Well, he ended up, um, do, he was continually, you know, doing more and more photography and, and uh, did a lot of sports events um, and did, it got involved with politics. He's in Washington, D.C., and, and was taking pictures of leaders there. He's done, you know, uh, Bush and Kerry and, and all these others. And um, eventually realized that in his business as a photographer, you know, doing pictures of uh, babies and weddings and, uh, you know, different ki kinds of, you know, gourmet foods or whatever, that wasn't really where it was at, that um, actually by uh, working with companies, which kind of harked back to his original thing, uh, he understood what a corporate culture was like and that um, they needed photographers. We, you know, we live in the age of social media, so he now specializes in taking pictures for um, uh, firms. So he'll do work with law firms, medical firms, stuff like that. And instead of like doing a wedding, you know, one gig for a whole day, he can go in and shoot 25, 40 headshots in a, in a given company in a day, and he's got a very, very scalable business. So we're actually helping him grow from being a localized business there in Washington, D.C. to a national business. He's actually growing a network um, where he's got contacts who will follow his protocols, and he's creating the systems that will actually create um, a service that, that works for the whole rest of the country. He takes his skills, his passion for photography and his ability to get incredible headshots and um, share that with other people in other cities uh, through the systems that he creates. So anyway, long, long and short of it is, that's just an example of a professional service provider um, that for some reason, you know, finds our 
what you know what I do for strategic copy as uh, as real beneficial. You know, I, I think you know in, in thinking about the discussion uh, as folks are going, I, I need to. My broad premise, and we've talked about is is there's misconceptions I think about copywriting and what you do, and the benefits to companies. I think that for one reason or another, uh, many have had an advertising foray or whatever not turn out well. You know, budgets. Does that ever happen? <laughs> <laughs> I can attest. Um, and so, and likewise, by the way. So maybe what we do is, you know, first off, what are the biggest misconceptions? about copywriting and what you do mm-hmm. that, that you run across? Sure, great question. So let's take care of the first one, is that I've given up at uh, parties and, and you know, networking events uh, ever telling people, unless they really know what this term means, uh, I've given up on saying, hey, I do copywriting or I'm a copywriter. Because generally the response is, oh, you mean like the little circle with a C thing, right? So you're doing legal uh, documents. So copywriting is a term that refers to creating uh, messaging content that um, is uh, you know, primarily driven toward a direct response, okay? So in advertising, you've got uh, spectrum of types of messaging that goes out in order to attract people to do business you know, with your company. And um, on the one hand, you've got a very sort of uh, image and brand driven type of advertising that goes on. And on the other end of the spectrum, you've got um, a message that asks for an order or asks for some kind of a response. It could just be a click immediately. On the one hand, you've got a, the you know the branding and the image type advertising is extremely difficult. That would actually. be like be like Coca Cola, Coca Cola, uh, Chevy, right? All, a lot of the ads that you see on the Super Bowl. And the direct would be like, do you want a copy of your family coat of arms? If so, click Beautiful. here, exactly. and that's the individual yep. direct response. And so you have both ends of: Are you just trying to build a name? Are you trying to get a sale? Exactly. So you'll have something that you can measure on the one hand and something that's extremely difficult to measure on the other hand. You, if you sold you know, 300 coats of arms this week, you know that the message was effective. If you tell people, you know, Coke is the one. Did your sales go up? Yeah, how do I know? That million dollars I spent for that ad, did that do any good? You know, and I, and I think about, you know, we talked about this before. So if you're a business person with a budget of X and you spend on some campaign, you would like to take and think your revenue is greater than X. You know, and, and I think for a lot of folks, they spend X and they have no idea whether X comes in or is measurable or was it because of this or because of something else. And I, you know, for guys out there in the business community, I think that my personal bias is that copywriting and this whole process is underappreciated and under misunderstood mm-hmm. what the value that it can bring to the table, you know, with, with clear measurables and deliverables. Mm-hmm. So with that, let's go into some case studies. Let's do. Perfect. I have, you're kind enough to provide uh, many of these Fort Lauderdale airport, 
uh, is one, or you can pick what you would like. I love this, the example that you just pulled up. So this is actually like a real life example of um, the difference that a word can make. Um, and uh, I just came from, uh, as you know, a conference of uh, direct response copywriters um, that's uh, provided by American Writers and Artists, Inc. And, and before we get to yeah. what is American Writers and AWAI? AWAI, yeah. So uh, they are basically are an information company that um, trains and provides support for uh, both direct response copywriters and marketers, okay? Um, so anyway, uh, that conference took place in Delray Beach, Florida. Um, I was on my way out to the airport and um, walked out of the hotel lobby and saw a super shuttle there. And I said to the driver, are you going to the airport? I may have said, are you going to the Fort Lauderdale airport? I don't really remember at this point. But there was maybe a little bit of a language thing going on. And he said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm hop in, you know, and all this. And I said, okay, how much is it? And he said, well, it's $27, you know, whatever it was. And um, he took me to the airport. And I got out of the super shuttle and he drove off. And I realized I'm at the Palm Beach airport. <laughs> Minor problem. <laughs> what a difference a word can make. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, as another example of that, um, one of my mentors, Dan Kennedy, tells a story of a of an ad for a, uh, a music service or it's actually it was like um, a piano lesson type service. Right. That um, came out. This was years ago. And the headline for the ad um, was put music in your life. And um, in the process of sending out one of their mailings, um, there was a typo occurred in the mailing. And all of a sudden, they noticed a, like a 600% increase in their sales from just changing this. There was like this typo. And miraculously, fortunately for them, it actually increased sales. And it was just one letter was, was wrong in this headline from put music in your life was what it's supposed to be. What would you guess made the difference? I had no idea. They put an S at the end of puts, puts music in your life. So the psychology of the thing is so different, right? So put music in your life. If you think about it, that sounds like work. It's like, I've got to do that. That's what your prospect is thinking. Um, on the other hand, puts music in your life that paints a whole different picture, right? We communicate through words, but those words create pictures in our minds. And so, uh, you know, to get to you to get back to the the, the the question here of a case study. So, the Fort Lauderdale Airport is an example of you know what a difference a word can make. Mm -hmm. So, not a business case per se, but you know that's that's the type of thing that uh, just getting your content right, getting your message right can make a huge difference. Maybe one of the things, um, let's say that I'm one of your, to the extent that you can, I'm one of your business clients. I come in with a particular problem. I have this. I'd like it to be discovered. You know, I think I have a good problem to go. You do. This is people don't know you're there. And so let me help them find you. So is there a case study that you can talk down that road? Last week, I actually did a webinar for Infusionsoft, 
And for the folks that don't know what Infusionsoft is. So Infusionsoft is a sales and marketing software, primarily for small businesses. Helps small businesses um, get their sales and marketing done uh, more easily. It frees frees up the owners to be able to um, have a little bit more time and yet increase their sales. So um, this is actually uh, a way that you can partner with a company to get found. I'm going to give you an example of how my company was able to do this um, as a case study. So um, Infusionsoft knows me, a lot of the people at Infusionsoft know me as a direct response copywriter and that they know that that's something that can help their customers and people who are interested in in buying that software. And uh, one of the ways that they um, have found to be extremely effective in attracting customers is um, by creating valuable content that answers questions that their customers have. Um, they've created a, they've sort of a, a center, um, what they call a learning center on Infusionsoft's website. If you go to learn.infusionsoft.com, you can um, explore all kinds of topics on how to get found, how to convert customers, how to automate your business, all these things related to their software, but also pr- solving problems for their, for their clientele. And um, what they found is that people who are searching for solutions online, let's say you, t- you type in, how do I get found, right? Um, they would find an article in their learning center. That article then would lead to um, either opting in for a free report, or in the case that I'm about to um, share with you here, uh, it would be an invitation to a webinar, okay? So um, last week, Infusionsoft invited me to share some information with their audience on a webinar, okay? So the way that worked was um, people came, they were searching for a solution, business owners are searching for a solution. Uh, they find the learning center on Infusionsoft. They get invited to a webinar. They sign up for the webinar. We had four pe- 400 people signed up. Um, then on the day of the webinar, we had 80 people actually showed up. Now, during the webinar, what happens is they've brought in a content expert that's that happened to be me. Um, in, in, in that process, they're nurturing the people who have this problem that they can help solve. And at the same time, they're introducing that client to, to me and my company, right? So they've already been found, they're now helping me get found. And, and maybe to answer the question directly, how, how do you get found and, and what would be one case study? That, that right there, you know, that, the fact that they've got this content that they know that they can provide for their customers and they put it out there on the web in a way that people can easily find it, um, enabled them to bring in. They, I mean, we're, we and, and Infusionsoft, my company and Infusionsoft are both already benefiting from the business from, from that particular webinar. So there's really a three-step process, and we're already making sales from, from simply providing that content in a way that helps people. I'm going to do a hypothetical. Yeah. Um, okay. I've got a gimpy dog, right? So I'm looking for uh, a sleeve for an arthritic old bird dog. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's say I'm the manufacturer. I've, I've now made... Uh, an elbow brace for an arthritic bird dog to help her get around. 
and I'm going, it's, I, you know, my dog likes it. A couple of other friends said, hey, I want that for my dog. And you go, I think I've stumbled into a company. So I come to you and said, I've got the world's best arthritic dog elbow appliance. Can you help me find the audience for the that? The people who need that. What yeah. would be a sequence of thoughts or steps that you yeah. might pursue with, Love with that? Great, yeah, great question. So um, I think one of the big mistakes that um, marketers and, uh, and business owners often make is starting with the product and then trying to think of like, the, you know, the, the quest, it's like the questions that you ask are really gonna drive your success, right? So the first question that often comes to mind for people is how can we sell this product, right? So I would suggest, instead of thinking of that question, say, how can we solve a problem for somebody with this product, right? Who is that person? How do we find them? What's their pain point? What are they looking for, okay? So in this scenario, you've got a prosthetic. It's, it's just a sleeve. We'll call a it sleeve. just sleeve. Sleeve, sleeve. of the dog, like a dog one, sleeve. One syllable instead of three. Yep. Let's, let's make it simple. So um, we're gonna guess that if somebody has a problem that that solves, that it's probably not something that we need to like interrupt their day for. It's, it's fairly likely that when they're in a frame of mind to solve that problem and make a buying decision, that they'll be searching, okay? So right there, we've, we've distinguished between two types of audiences. Sometimes the, the very best way to attract your audience is to interrupt them and say, hey, you probably didn't know that this exists. On the other hand, if people are searching, then all we need to do is be there to answer their question, okay? So Google is one of the, you know, obviously one of the best ways to do that. People would type in, you know, we might presume that people would type in, um, how do I help my gimpy dog get around, mm -hmm. right? I mean, t people type in all kinds mm -hmm. of things, you know? So um, maybe the key phrase there is, um, is arthritic uh, dog leg or something like that. What would be actually what would be a phrase that you would type in? Yeah, that would be likely be it. Arthritic dog joint. Ar arthritic, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, so let's say that um, and you can identify that. There's all kinds of tools out there, Google, you know, keyword um, planner and, and other tools, there's actually a lot better ones than that, that will help you identify what are people searching for, uh, what is your competition for that term. Uh, how many people are searching for it, and what are people paying for that term? Because that's how Google stays in business, obviously, is people pay Google when somebody clicks on that term on, on their ad, right? So from that point, then depending on how quickly you wanted to uh, attract that person, you could just simply create ads through Google's AdWords program and say, you know, got a dog with a gimpy leg? We have prosthetics, we have- The sleeves. Sleeves, thank yeah, you. Yeah. We have sleeves that will help your dog get around, be able to sleep better, and look a lot happier. Won't be such a droopy dog after, you know, whatever. Yeah, so, so you, the benefits. You, so you tell a story in those few words that you can do mm -hmm. in a Google AdWords, and whenever somebody then clicks on that, you pay Google whatever it is, 10 bucks, maybe it's, you know, 90 even, 
bucks to do that, whatever is, you know, the value for you to do that. Um, and uh, now they would then go to a landing page. The landing page would say, yes, we've got these things. Here's the price list. Here's what to do next. You know, here's your questions answered. Um, you can call us if you want, or you can click here and just simply order it and we'll deliver it, you know, within the next three days, guaranteed, you know, and, and so forth. So that might be one process. A another process that um, for a variety of reasons uh, also makes a lot of sense is, is to, for online purposes, is to go with organic search, right? So there's paid search and then there's organic search. So when you look at any search page on Google, if you were to type in gimpy dog leg, mm -hmm. let's just say, right? Uh, you're going to see the paid ads at the top and the bottom of that page that pulls up. But then in the middle, you'll see these other results that Google puts up that are clearly not advertisements, right? And, you know, we all tend to feel like if we see a salesman coming, we generally want to kind of run the other way, right? And it's the same with advertising. So the organic list, what we call the organic listings, the ones that are not paid ads, if we see that come up, we're going to probably want to, we're going to, we might go for that one first just because we feel like we can trust it more, right? So how do you get found on those is another question. And that's, that's the heart of what you do. That's the heart of search engine optimization. Yeah. Right? And that is a long topic. We could be here for two days talking about that. That's a component. And in the search engine optimization side, it has to do with the term that you were talking about. Correct. It has to do with how you tell the story. Correct. And features and benefits and pain points and solutions is what you do. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I think about in, in, in part of this, you know, and I, you know, yeah, I have an agenda in this podcast. You know, I, I honestly think that that copywriters and the folks that do this are the unsung wizards on the planet. I mean, they know how to use the English language like we were never taught in school. I mean, for the older guys, they probably know what LSMFT means. Lucky Strike means find tobacco, which I grew up around as a kid. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, there's so many of the taglines that were written by copywriters. Um, just do it. We know who that is. Melts yeah. in your mouth. Yeah, all, all of those. <laughs> and, you know, for the, for the business owner, you know, and, I, and I'll get off my rant here in a minute, is I think they spend a great deal of time on developing a product and understanding and trying to deliver it to the marketplace. And my belief is that in many cases they fail to um, consider the benefit of solid copywriting. And you know, we, we touched on Infusionsoft. Infusionsoft basically automates a whole sequence of emails and responses and videos, mm -hmm. you know, because your customer may not be ready to buy now, mm -hmm. but they may over a series of education, you know, like Gimpy Dog. Well, here's my my Gimpy Dog before. Here's my gimpy dog after. Right. Here's a picture and a video of my gimpy dog chasing birds around. You know, my gimpy dog looks like she's now five years old instead of 11. And they go, well, I want my gimpy dog to look like your gimpy dog. And so they can see that whole transition and you tell the story. And, you know, let's say I have the world's best gimpy dog sleeve. Well, then it's true. And if you have your guarantees and, and your, you know, that kind of thing. And so for the customer and the business owner out there, my agenda in today's podcast is make them aware or at least expose them if they're not to the benefits of how you use the myriad of delivery points to mm -hmm. prospective clients mm -hmm. and people with your expertise 
what you guys bring to the table. And it's not a small thing. Yeah. Actually, let me give you an example, if I could, of a company that's used that whole process really well, including automating all of these different messages. Because we, we do have so many media to take advantage of these days between print media, email, websites, telephone, all these things. So um, this one company, which I, I really can't exact, I can't tell you the exact details of who the company is. So, so we'll kind of make up um, an example company here, okay? Uh, it is very similar. So um, let's say uh, it's Bob's detail shop. And what Bob does is he details out cars. He takes care of, you know, making them look beautiful. What this company actually did was um, they were they had a real problem. They were they ended up fifty thousand dollars in the hole and had to figure out some way through it. Um, and what they actually ended up doing was they started creating content like we've talked about um, and not sales literature, not talking about their product or their company per se, just talking about um, their audience, their, their ideal prospects, and the kind of problems they have. So, you know, how do you uh, take care of your car when, you know, after you've been out in a rainstorm? You know, what if you had to drive through a muddy road? Um, what if there was a hail storm? And, you know, all these things. And um, what they did with the content was they had a series of just really short little articles that they would post in a weekly newsletter that um, was distributed to 36,000 like businesses in the area. So they would, you'd see them like in a delicatessen or a restaurant, supermarket, these type of things. Well, you know, the free weekly things that you see, right? So they now have this content going out on a regular basis. And it's easy to produce. I mean, you know, this is, you could look through your old emails that you've sent and probably find all kinds of things, you know, answering people's questions. Once they had that content in place and that stream going, the next thing they did was they put up a, uh, an opt-in form on their website. This is, by the way, probably one of the biggest mistakes I see on companies' websites is that the, there's this beautiful website tells us tells the visitor how wonderful they are, and then the visitor says, "Oh yes, I see their wonderful click," and they're gone forever. Right? Um, that could be a very that could have been a very expensive click that could have been worth a lot to your company. But what you can do, and what this company did, was they created a lead magnet mm -hmm. to attract people um, to exchange their contact information for a thing, right? So they created a report, something along the lines of, you know, the five mistakes you absolutely must avoid if you want your car's uh, luster to, to last for the next five to 10 years so that you can, you know, still have a gorgeous car. Your, your, your Maserati is sitting there and you're parked in your garage. And, um, that enabled them to then build up their own list of people. So people would find their website, say, sure, I'll give you my email in exchange for this report, and I understand you're going to be sending me some more information over time. They now took that weekly content that they were delivering earlier, and they now have a tip of the week that they can send out in their emails, okay, to keep the people that opted in interested. Occasionally, at the end of one of those emails, or you know, over the course of time, they might send out several emails. They would say, hey, by the way, we're having a special this week. And if you come down to our shop, 
we will provide for you, you know, 10% or 20% off, or we'll give you a special polish that you can take home and, you know, take care of your car with. Now they're starting to make sales. They're turning what were non-customers into customers. And the greatest challenge today in marketing is actually turning a non-buyer into a buyer. And that doesn't mean that they have to be a high ticket buyer. A buyer is a buyer, even if they pay you a dollar, they are now a buyer. The psychology has completely changed, right? So that's one of the beauties of having your own email list is you can now send out these messages to people who even over email would say, you know, for, for 10 bucks, I'll go, I'll go for that. They don't, they don't even need to talk to you on the phone. Okay, so now they have the content. It's going out of the newsletters. They're getting some leads that way. They're getting traffic to their website that's opting in. They're building up their own email list. They've got the content where they can send out these weekly messages to their list. It's mostly content, but an occasional sales message. So from that point, what did they do next? Well, occasionally some of those people will call in and say, yeah, I'd really like you to do a complete detail job on my car. That involves talking to a sales rep and maybe getting a quote. And in that case, sometimes people will say on the spot, yeah, let's do it, you know. But oftentimes what happens is they may send a quote, the person might never, you know, call them back or they might, or they might not call back right away anyway. So from that point, why did that person not call back? Well, maybe they got distracted. Maybe they had, you know, their, their kids just, you know, were putting the cat in the microwave and they had to do something about it right away. So they were not ready at that moment, but they would be ready at some point in time. So what they did, what this company did was they then had a series of automated emails that would go out that would knock down a dom all of the sort of dominoes that are in the way of that person making a buying decision. So, you know, was it because of price? Was it because this is not the right time for you? Was it because you didn't understand, um, you know, how the process works? Was it because you didn't understand what the value is, you know, keeping your car in good condition, all these things. And they've got, them, they've got this automated campaign so that once that person doesn't make a buying decision, that can automatically be going to work to nurture that prospect. And eventually what happens is a certain percentage of those prospects, about 85%, as it turns out, who maybe weren't ready to buy today, will eventually buy. What was it Microsoft said? This is about 80% of those folks are not ready to buy on the first time through. And it takes, I don't know, six, eight, ten additional touches. Touches, exactly, before. And, and you know, we know from sales that, that oftentimes it's the company that continues to do the follow-up that gets the sale. And, and that's where, when we talked about, there's a number of autoresponders. Uh, Infusionsoft being one of them, yeah. where you can set that sequence up and where once they enter, if you know what you're doing in coding, which I certainly don't, but if you did, it can take and send out a whole sequence mm -hmm. that you don't physically have to touch again. Exactly. It does it all. Yeah, the, and that's the technology that we have. The Infusionsoft does that. <laughs> that. That's the kind of technology we can take advantage of today. It is a media in and of itself, is these timed messages, right? And, and where people may not, you know, if you ever, for me, my wife or daughter will be looking at a pair of boots of some description and will it goes or any other color. So I'll look on my cell phone for the boot. And then for the following week or so, I'm getting a you whole getting array of ladies' boots on my cell phone. And, you know, and if any of my friends look and go, well, 
Bob, are you wearing ladies' boots now? <laughs> but, but you know, and you see that, and that's a function of a lot of the stuff that you, that's called what? So that's retargeting. Mm-hmm. And uh, that retargeting is an automated process based on web pages that you've visited. It can be done through Facebook or Google or other services. And, and it, by the way, it also integrates with Infusionsoft. So, for instance, if somebody in the process of sending them re- these what we call retargeting ads, right, in your case, the boots, mm-hmm. or in Bob's case, you know, somebody visits his website, doesn't go for a detailed job, they might still see ads for that, plus they'll be getting the emails, right? And if somebody at the fifth email or the fifth ad actually does um, order the, the detailed job for their car, we want them to stop getting those ads. We want it to be a friction-free experience, right? We don't want to keep bombarding people. And the automation enables you to actually do that so that once they do place the order, then the advertising stops. And in the the value of circling back to some of the value add that you see from the storytelling side of the house is the automation is certainly there. But if you're automating garbage, then, then you're you know, and, and back to when we were talking about the value of the word or words or structure, you know, and, and you know, humans being what we are, you know, we respond to certain stimuli. And, and I think the copywriter and the storyteller, you know, is, is speaking to them. And a lot of those folks, it really speaks to them at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know, I'm not that conversant, but I've been exposed a little bit from family members. And so for you... First off, you know, they may go, how do I reach you? We haven't talked about where they find you on social media. Where do they find you on social media? So um, Facebook forward slash strategic copy. You can look there. Yeah, no C in strategy. Right? So, it's, so it's strategic copy with one C. One C. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> you could probably type in strategic and, and, uh, and it'll come up. But it, it's strategic copy mm-hmm. and they're kind of joined at the hip there. So okay. uh, that's on Facebook and then Twitter at strategic copy. Um, and uh, you can actually probably Google uh, strategic copy and, and you'll find websites and, and, and other social media there as well. LinkedIn, we have a, um, one of those company pages, but they're kind of changing that all the time. So um, Michael J. Connolly on LinkedIn. With Two N's. Yeah, C-O-N-N-O-L-L-Y. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and we thought about, uh, we talked about misconceptions. Uh, in fact, you, you teach as well. You teach this, yes? Yes. So I have a, a class that I teach here um, at Boulder Digital Arts on uh, copywriting for the web. And um, I feel like oftentimes I really want to provide my clients with the understanding of, of how to be able to do this on their own because, um, or at the very least be able to identify, you know, good copyright, good copywriting, good content, good messaging when they see it. Um, so, uh, part of the work that I do with clients is, is I'll be sharing with them, you know, information about that sort of thing. For the business owners going like, I have no idea of the range of costs that this, you know, in, in going down this road might be, what could be, if you were a smaller service provider, what type of budget should you consider in time frame mm-hmm. to even try to go down this road? Sure. So understanding that businesses have budgets to work with and uh, that there are ways that you can stair-step the process so that ultimately 
um, whereas you may have a little bit of an investment up front, that really should pay for itself. Marketing should never, ever be an investment. It really should have its own space in, in your financial plan, which is that you invest some money, you get that money back at some point in time. And that's the beauty of direct response marketing is we can measure that and you can see, hey, was this a winner or was it a loser? That being said, um, we offer services from very, very basic to, you know, less than $100 for a social media page optimization uh, to social media content writing where um, for, you know, in the neighborhood of two to three to $400 a month, we will actually create content for you on social media that drives traffic and awareness. That's, that's a term I use very cautiously um, because it's hard to really uh, measure that. But nevertheless, on social media, there's some value in that. Um, so it goes from, you know, less than $100 to start to a few hundred dollars a month. Um, and then depending on the value, you know, if you have an average client value, um, you know, let's say you're a surgeon, let's say you're a chiropractor, let's say you're an attorney, um, you know, your value per client could easily be $5,000, $10,000, $50,000, right? Um, financial planning, obviously, you know, those, yeah. when you look at the value of acquiring a new client, um, then what we can do is we say, okay, so how do we get you a new client? Does that mean writing a landing page, a video script, uh, creating a sequence, putting, you know, a webinar together for you with a whole, you know, marketing funnel around that? Then we look at, okay, so if a new client is worth $50,000 to you um, and we can attract, let's say, two or three of them per year, per month, per quarter, whatever it is, now we have an ability to say, okay, so it's it's worth putting together a marketing campaign to create, you know, to create that client for your business. So, so it can range, you know, up into the, the tens of thousands. My clients pay, you know, in, in those ranges. And um, it's always that you want to look at what's the value at the end of the day. This is not an expense. This is not like buying a, a car or a boat. This is like buying something that's going to return some money to your business. And so that's, you know, that's the measurement space. You know, so you, you do whatever discovery is necessary and do the homework to figure out what you're after. And if the lifetime value of a client is X, and you go, we're going to spend some dollar figure. And so we can measure and show the output is greater than X over a certain period of time. Mm -hmm. So, the, the, you know, if you spend $5,000 a month, then you're going to measure to make sure mm -hmm. that you're netting more mm -hmm. than five grand a month. Absolutely. You know, and so that's the idea. That's the measurement statistic, and I think for for many, you know, the notion is we spend a bunch of money and we have no way of knowing where it came from or if it came from this campaign. And in the social media space, that's not really the case anymore, is it? Social media is um, is definitely hard to quantify. There is what we call attribution. So, as an example, um, I mean, I've had clients come to me through LinkedIn. I've had clients who have said, yes, I've seen you on Facebook. And then they may have also visited a web page. They may have attended a webinar. They may have read a report. All of those things then contribute to this person is real. They feel like somebody that I'd like to do business with, right? So in that sense, um, 
social media can be directly attributable to a return on your investment. The trick is it's, it's damn hard to really measure what that is. Um, with the one exception of sometimes people talk about like Facebook advertising mm -hmm. as social media. I look at that as paid advertising is sort of in a category of its own. Um, with social media, there's this other thing that needs to happen, which is you need to provide a sort of environment and a stream of content so that people recognize you, people see you, and then when they see your ad, your ad will be more effective because they can actually recognize that you exist and they have a, you know, a little bit of a better feeling about it. You know, and we're heading toward the close. I know you thought maybe we'd never get here. We, we, we talked before the show, we thought we'd talk forever, you know, about this topic, but you'd mentioned that you had some offers for folks that perhaps might help them. Absolutely. So um, go to strategiccopy.com forward slash 25 automation secrets. That's strategiccopy.com forward slash 25 automation secrets. And what you'll find there is a, it's an ebook that gives you blueprints for 25 different marketing campaigns that you can actually automate. And, and these will typically be emails and videos and things like that. It includes a variety of things from uh, an appointment reminder sequence, uh, a follow-up sequence that nurtures people from being not quite so sure they're ready to buy your product to understanding all the benefits of your product and being ready to buy um, a whole variety of things that if you were to implement all of those in your business, chances are you, you probably have a production and fulfillment problem. <laughs> you know, it, it, we, we talked before, I was really looking forward to visiting today about you know, what goes on in the copywriting space, you know, and it was that Ogilvy was, was really well known and big in the day, yeah. you know, the, the, the Merrill Lynch's of the day with the bull and, you know, was that wall street to main street and, and some of these really timeless advertising pieces, they don't go away and human behavior hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. At least I don't think so. And I look at, you know, for folks, um, if, if they want to reach out to you, um, is there an, uh, they can find you on social media. Is there an email address that you would like for them to, to reach out to you at? Sure. For, for you, Bob, <laughs> <laughs> I don't get this out to everybody, but, um, yeah. So Mike at strategiccopy.com. Okay. It's the best way to do that. Absolutely. And, you know, and if they go, well, I don't know if this is right for me or not, mm -hmm. what would your advice be to that business owners going, I don't know if I should reach out or not? Mm-hmm. So obviously uh, what I do is not for everyone, but um, if you'd like to find out more about what we do at strategiccopy.com, I would certainly suggest visiting the website. Um, reach out to me in person. I can send you uh, specific answers to your questions. Mm -hmm. um, and by all means, you know, check us out on social media. We, provide, we try to provide you know, really good information there that's helpful for business owners who want to get found, who want to attract the type of clients who, you know, can really benefit from the products and services that they deliver. Last thing, parting guidance of any kind. If you're providing a good service, if you're providing a really good product, then you really have an obligation to get found. And that's my mission. That's, that's our mission at Strategic Copy is, is we feel like 
Um, there's so many good businesses out there. There's so many good services that people could be benefiting from. And if they don't know about what you do, if they don't know how to avail of that, then um, we're letting them down. So let's not let them down. Let's get the word out. That's great advice. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Bob. You bet.